Hi, I'm Jed, this is Cook Culture. So today we're talking about coffee and we're going deep into coffee. So I went down to see my friend Ben Cram who owns Fernwood Coffee and they have a, a cafe in Victoria called The Parsonage. And we got really detailed about coffee because I want to know clearly the process of making the best bean for what machine. So if you're gonna have a fully automatic coffee machine, you know, we sell Jura machines, and if you're gonna be buying something similar, what is the best bean? How does that work? You know, if you're gonna do a pour over style, if you're gonna do a French press, you know, what is the best bean? And does the bean matter or is it all about the grind? You know, and, and the combination of amount of coffee and the amount of water and all the specifics behind it. So I went and saw Ben. We talked from the beginning process of how the seed or the, the, the cherry, the, the, the uh, fruit is grown right to how he then roasts it. So it's a very in-depth video. I've separated this into chapters for you so you can you know, skip ahead to what's important to you and kind of take what you want uh, or you know, listen to this in an audio. You know, I've, I've gone through it in detail. This could make a really good podcast if you want to. So however you enjoy it, I hope it's worthwhile for you. Please, any questions, throw them below. And this is part one of two parts. So we've got a lot of information. So this is the first video that is really about how the bean gets ready to be made. And then we'll have our second video that'll come out in a few weeks. That is the process of making the coffee from the beans in which we've talked about in this video. So I hope you enjoy, here you go. All right, so I'm in my hometown of Victoria, BC. Fernwood Coffee, come to see my friend Ben. He's gonna tell me all about how we're going to be able to decide on which coffee works for what machine. So I'm excited to learn more about coffee. Let's go. here with my friend Ben. Hey Ben, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Awesome. So as I was saying before, uh, I've come to Ben to answer the question, you know, how do we buy the right coffee for the right machine? So Ben has a pretty extraordinary business. He is one of a few amazing craft roasters here in Victoria. My personal favorite, I'm a little biased. <laughs> um, but you know, I really appreciate the way that Ben does his job for the machines that I sell. And I'm not totally sure why that works, but you know, the, the Jura coffee machines and some of the other gear that we sell, his beans work really, really well. And you know, I have some customers that are like, oh, well, you know, what about this bean and what about that bean? And I don't know enough about coffee to answer some of those nuances. So here we are. Thanks for your time. Yeah. No so problem. what I want to try to get into is, you know, if, if I'm a regular everyday Joe and I enjoy coffee and I know a little bit about coffee and you know but I don't really know what I'm doing when I go to a wall of coffee in the grocery store or if I go to you know come into a cafe like yours and you even have five different types of coffees you know I have espresso do I have to buy espresso for my espresso machine or you know what do I do right so I wanted to just kind of start a little bit at the beginning of yeah. you know like what is coffee like what happens you you get it from somewhere something happens to it you get it ready somehow and then it goes in a bag and then what is the expectation or what is what are you trying to say to somebody when you make different types of coffee so you know the end result what I'm hoping here is that somebody is watching 
could be like, right, okay, you know, I, I have that knowledge. So what I'm hoping we're going to do here is have this conversation and then we're also going to make some coffee. So, you know, if we could start there, Ben, if you could just kind of start at the kind of beginning for us. Okay. Uh, I'll give you kind of the cliff notes. Um, so coffee's grown uh, basically in a band around the equator, mm -hmm. uh, warm climates, high altitude usually. Um, and, you know, the, the structure of how it's farmed changes from country to country. Some countries, it might be just sort of an ancillary thing to, to someone who grows oranges or often farms grow multi-crop and coffee is one of the things that they grow, which, uh, you know, in the really progressive biodiverse farms, you know, the one crop shades the coffee, coffee grows better in shade, things like that. So it's, it's a really interesting agriculture. Uh, when you get into sort of Central America and South America, you get into giant farms where they're growing and processing the coffee right on site. Um, and does that mean that it's bad? Big, big coffee plantations? No, not at all. Cause, uh, it's, it's just a different style of farming. So, uh, in some ways it's even better because when I say processing coffee's grown as a cherry. And then it needs to be processed to the point where it's uh, a green coffee bean and that's the product we get. Okay. So does it have like, you mean like a cherry, like it's got flesh around it, around the yeah. seed? So it looks like a cherry. It's a red okay. berry. And the reason coffee, uh, they're actually seeds, not beans. But the reason coffee beans are flat is that there's two seeds per cherry and they okay. grow face to face. Oh, cool. So nice. that's why they, they grow as a, cir as a circle that splits into two basically. Okay. Um, and so there's different ways to get from a cherry to a coffee to a coffee a green coffee bean different methods of processing and they influence flavor um, so on those big farms they may, may have a bit more control versus uh, say a lot of the the african farms and this is a generalization it's not always true but a lot of the african farms are small stakes where where someone might grow uh, enough to just make a few sacks of coffee a year in addition to other things that they do. And those get amalgamated at a mill where multiple farmers are amalgamating a, 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 their crops. Like and that all gets blended. Yeah, and that okay. all gets blended together. Um, and you still get phenomenal coffees, but you're not necessarily getting, uh, you know, a farm where someone has laid out a grid and said, oh, the coffee on the west face from this patch of land is all gonna be processed together because we find it's really unique and we're gonna sell it as, okay. a, as a micro lot that's, okay. that's really special. Yeah. Um, so and this is, is this kind of where we get these kind of strange names and costs that start to escalate? If yeah, you can for sure, you, you, you definitely can. Um, uh, well, that's, the Ethiopian coffees are some of the best coffees in the world. Mm -hmm. So they can still, demand a high price because the quality is so good. Okay. Um, and once they're kind of mixed, you'll get a sort of homogenized profile that's incredible. Um, and there are, you know, farms that specialize even from, from those countries as well. Okay. Um, so I hope I'm not making it more complicated. <laughs> no, I think the, 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 the journey of where it comes from, I think is, is fascinating. You know, I, I, I guess I, in my mind, I've seen the little red berries in pictures, but didn't really think about, you know, what happened from that point. Something that, you know, side note, interestingly, like the flesh around the seed, what happens to that? What is that? That's, uh, so in the last sort of decade, you've seen a product called cascara that is okay. uh, the dried flesh of the coffee cherry yeah. and people brew it as tea. Okay. And it's, a, it's, it's really good. It's a caffeinated, uh, 
almost like rosehip tea, like okay. a sweet tart. The cherries are actually quite tasty if you yep. if you eat them. Um, and do you guys make the tea or sell the tea? We have we we have over the years brought in cascara, so yeah, it's yeah. something that we made at at origin because okay. you're taking this fresh like fruit tea. product yeah, yeah. And, and it has to be dried sure. right then and there so that there's no rot or anything. Yeah. Um, and then also lots of farms are very progressive in using that waste to fertilize future crops as well. So okay. it can either go back into yeah. the ecosystem or there's this cascara product, which yeah. is, is really interesting. Uh, I've seen a few cascara cold drinks come out yeah. on the market recently. Um, yeah, so so whatever that, that I can find for that, that'll be in the notes below the video. That sounds really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so it's a great spot to go into processing because processing is actually one of the most important factors in the flavor of coffee. And that's how you get from cherry to green coffee. Okay. So the, there's two extremes. One is washed coffee and one is called natural coffee. Um, natural, they're both completely nat natural. Natural is just the name of the process for uh, the, the sort of one extreme where you take the cherries and you dry them as whole cherries. Okay. They're laid out in raised beds, uh, usually landscape cloth, so there's airflow all around and they need to be turned constantly because you want to avoid any kind of rot or mold and you want them to, to dry out. Um, and, and then once that process is done, you pulp the, the, you pulp the, the meat off and you get your, your coffee bean, the green, the green coffee okay. bean. Um, that process, you're absorbing a lot of the, the, the sugars and the fruit flavors from, from the cherry because there's that long, prolonged contact. Okay. Uh, so as it, like, and I guess I haven't got that quite clear. So you've got the drying in these raised beds, so airs all around. And is that just naturally fermenting? Is it just naturally drying? There's, yeah, there's probably some fermentation going on, um, but it's a, it's a fairly quick process. Right. But that's um, where the water's evaporating from the, yep. there, and it just starts to all dry out. Yeah, and then, so, so almost like a raisin. the flesh from the seed? They have machines that they'll load in, okay. and they kind of mill, mill the flesh off. Okay. Um, so then the opposite end of the spectrum is a washed coffee where they pulp that fruit off right away while it's fresh, get it all off and then soak it. And that's where you get fermentation and they're removing any mucilage of the fruit. Uh, and, and that's called washed coffee. Yeah. And then in between you have a sort of full range of what people sometimes call um, pulped natural or honey process is another name where they pulp off some of the fruit and they'll lay it out to dry in that mucilage, which is similar to laying it out as the whole cherry. Mm -hmm. And you'll kind of get, some people say the best of both worlds. Um, so the differences that you're gonna get, and this is anecdotal, my opinion, but in washed coffees, you really taste terroir. You taste where the coffee is grown. Um, and, and at the opposite end on that natural, you're gonna taste a lot of the influence of the fruit. So the coffee cherry tastes similar, you know, wherever it's grown, it won't be identical, but right. you're gonna taste that fruit flavor uh, and it'll be present wherever that's grown if it's processed naturally. So is this a, the, having it these two ways, is this a personal preference from a, from a roasters when you're buying the bulk? Yeah, absolutely. It's, so it's not uh, like, oh, well wash is just, oh, cheap stuff and I always want it done this way. There's some people who have strong opinions on it. Um, to me, it, it's it's just variety. Okay. It, it just makes things more interesting. So um, if you're in the grocery store and you're trying to decide on that, and like, is that gonna make any influence? Do you find that 
like makers like yourself use that as a marketing term? Like this is washed or this is natural? Yeah, that's more in sort of a specialty. In grocery, I would say you're looking at uh, majority washed coffees. Okay. Uh, or you might get some blends where there's a little bit of natural coffee blended in to kind of boost a flavor. Uh, but for the most part, it's going to be washed coffees. Um, and the reason I would think for that is washed coffees taste like coffee traditionally. Okay. You can get natural coffees that people taste it and they're like, whoa, what is, what's going on here? I'm okay. tasting like, is this a flavored coffee? Right. I taste blueberry. I taste okay. strawberry. And that's where you get um, all those tasty notes that are written yeah, on the package and exactly. they're selling on all these fancy names. Yeah. Okay. So and that, you're not going to get that. So if you see a package with all of those little fancy names and stuff, that's mostly going to or almost always going to be a natural. Uh, is going to be pretty much generic coffee flavorish. Um, more... People will add tasting notes to all coffees at the high end level for sure, but yeah. where you'll get the sort of outlandish tasting notes like wine gum and you know yeah. bonbon, like or the, caramel. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, naturals definitely have more distinct flavors. Right. Okay. Um, and, so, and just so for for people kind of watching, so if you like that kind of coffee you should start to go towards your local roaster instead yeah. of buying it from a grocery store. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like to me, I always, if we bring on new employees who are just getting into coffee and I really want to sort of deep dive them, I call it the gateway drug. I'll give them like the most extreme natural coffee. I won't say anything. We'll set up a tasting with yeah. a bunch of washed coffees and one natural coffee right. and you watch their reaction. <laughs> Okay. And then they realize the spectrum all of a sudden of like, whoa, coffee can be this extreme. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I often see people the first few times they taste it, that's all they want to drink for a little while. And then you kind of get burnt out on it. And you, okay. you sort of, most people will sort of uh, come back to wash coffees and yeah. that love of the clean, sort of uh, clean, unaffected flavor of the actual okay. seed okay. versus that fruit influenced like flavor. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we've got ourselves to a green bean now. Yeah. It's either natural or washed. Yeah. And it's it's packaged, I guess, and now it goes into the ship. Yeah, and then uh, so we, uh, you know, we caught we purchase coffee different ways. We purchase through brokers who do a lot of the. They always joke. Some of the guys work with. We taste a lot of bad coffee, so you don't have to. Right. Um, which we do to a lesser degree as yeah. well, because we get you know hundreds and hundreds of samples that we try to choose what coffees we're going to roast. Yeah, um, and that will change throughout the year. Like you'll get it from different places and yeah. you mix because you, you always call your coffees the same thing, right? Uh, so like your 1976. We have will change well, we beans. have we have that one super consistent. Okay. The our so, so it, we have our blend. 1976 is his espresso bean. It's a yeah. very consistent one, and it works really really well for me on Jura machines. That's why yeah. I re reference it. We, yeah, so that's one of our blends that we have that are consistent throughout the year. And we have long-standing relationships where we're, we're purchasing in quantities to keep it as consistent as possible and we're tasting it for consistency. Okay. Uh, then we have our single origin coffees, which are, we're bringing in seasonally um, as, they're, as they're harvested uh, when they're in season. So different countries have different harvest times depending which side of the equator they're on and yeah, how yeah, the yeah. seasons work. Um, and so those are a sort of a separate line of coffee that we rotate through throughout the year. Uh, and we have some farms that we buy from every year because we love what they do. And we have other farms where we just taste something phenomenal and we want it as a one-off and, okay. we, and we roast it. And, and then we have... Uh, that'll, we have that'll be sold in the cafe and that's to go out for... 
commercial. So uh, some places will sell that as okay. well. Um, so if you're familiar with Fernwood Coffee, you'll see it in places like Whole Foods and Thrifty Foods and lots of different types of grocery stores. And it comes in a different package. So he'll do a commercial line yeah. and then kind of a boutique line. A boutique almost. line. Yeah. yeah. It comes in the fancier packaging. It's really pretty. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, we have one farm in Brazil that we work with every year and, and we go there. We haven't the last couple of years for yeah. obvious reasons, but we, we travel to that farm. We're planning this year's trip uh, and we kind of get first access. And we, that's one of those farms where we do get to taste micro lots and he'll pull things aside and we've gotten to the point where we can actually influence how things are processed mm. can this stay in the fermentation tank longer does that work and he'll right. explain like yeah we could try that or no we can't for this reason right. you know he's a third generation coffee farmer right. uh you know went to university as an agronomist cool. um and uh ed who does our roasting they've become fast friends right. like they visit each other he's come here to to see you know where what we do um uh he actually sent us a video once of him riding through he checks his his crops on horseback and he's galloping through a coffee field and he's wearing a fernwood coffee shirt <laughs> holding awesome. his phone up filming himself so it's it's fun for that's us. great to have those kind of relationships yeah awesome. um and so you know we'll try and travel there for sure and then to to other origins as well as yeah. we as we can um to really sort of source the coffee where instead of getting recommendations from a broker, we're getting to taste hundreds of coffees on site and really yeah. choose our favorites. So from a purchaser's point of view, so you know, you're sitting at home and that's that's great and fun and interesting, but what what is that what would you think if you're just a lay person buying coffee, is that what you want to go for? Does that make a bigger difference? Or what would be why would you come to a micro roaster that has a relationship with a farmer in Brazil and can do these kind of things? What's the, what is the benefit and why would you go to that extra effort than just buying what's off the shop in the grocery store? Uh, access to quality for sure. Okay. And what does um, quality equate to? Uh, so care in every step of the process. Mm -hmm. So, but I guess when you put lips to mouth, right, or sorry, lips to cup, um, what, like, what does that mean? Uh, cleaner flavors, more consistency, uh, no defects. Um, we haven't gotten into roast shade yet, okay. but uh, to roast lighter, you need to have better quality coffee. Okay. So when I talk about roast shade, I'll explain what that means. Because okay. um, I'm not a super coffee snob that coffee has to be roasted really light, which is, you'll see, so some people kind of push that as an agenda. But yeah, like for instance, like, and this is not trying to pick out one over the other, but Elysian coffee over in Vancouver is very much about light coffee. Yeah. And, you know, we struggled to make it work with some of our coffee machines. Yeah. And it was really interesting and what it came down to, and I didn't know why, and what I learned was that they really focus on light coffee. Yeah. And, and that's become problematic with certain machines. Yeah, and light coffee, I think it's harder to do a light roast really well. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, is there coffee when we go and do a cupping at Elysian? It's like, it just blows your mind. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Then you go and try to make it in a whatever, like, you know, in a, in a, in a mocha, mocha master or whatever, and it's watery. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you, it's harder to brew well. It's harder to roast well. So you really have to dial it in more carefully. And that's where you get down that kind of rabbit hole of coffee nerdism where you've got multiple scales and you're, right. you're you know, 
searching for that perfect recipe and then you can replicate it. Right. And that's going to evolve as you get your next bag because something may have changed slightly in the flavor profile. And, yeah. and it's, it's a rabbit hole some people really enjoy in their yeah. daily ritual and other people are just looking to, you know, set and forget and yeah. hit one button and have a nice consistent cup of coffee. Yeah. So, I think, you know, from, from my perspective of dealing with, you know, the amount of people that I do at a retail level is that I find that people, they want the very best experience for the least amount of effort. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like they're not like, oh, yeah, just give me whatever. They're like, I'm willing to spend the money and get myself prepared. But as long as I then don't have to like have a hobby after yeah. the fact. Yeah. Right? And you, you want to find that balance. Yeah. Um, and so there are definitely ways to find that balance. Um, and, you know, things like choosing roast shade will affect that. And also how you drink your coffee. Like if you put heavy cream and sugar in your coffee and that's how you enjoy it those lighter coffees are going to get washed out and taste really watery and it'll taste like creamy yeah. sugary water you know yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas that's where a dark roast that person might much prefer dark roast because the bitter flavors that are coming out balance really well when you sweeten them up right and you get sort of chocolatey flavors and yeah. and uh so i always tell people there's nothing wrong with dark roast coffees it's it sort of how you choose to drink the coffee right. that'll lend yeah. and that's itself what I, to success. That's what I hope we get into kind of near to the end of, of what we're doing here is that as we try to balance, okay, which coffee are we going to pick off the shelf to match with which method are we doing, right? Yeah. So I hope, you know, once we go to Cook Culture and make some coffee, you know, that's what I'm hoping we can get that balance so that we can try to give, you know, I, I, I hope that the end we're not being like, okay, well, here's all the information and then, you know, you can kind of do whatever. You know, it'd be nice if we're like, yeah, like this really works with this type of machine. Yeah. This really works with this type of machine and get some clarity on you know, the best way to choose. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got lots of lots of good tips to lead people in in right directions. Um, yeah. I always tell people like once you've uh, sort of figured out the fundamentals of how to brew coffee well, have fun with it and yeah. try different things and and uh kind of learn all the rules and then throw them out. I always tell people, right? Once you know why you're doing something, you can kind of start playing around with it. Sure. So green beans show up here. Yeah. Right, we're in Victoria. Yeah, and then uh, our initial step is, actually it's right behind you, the sample roaster. So uh, this roasts, as you can see, a tiny amount of coffee. It roasts what goes in there. So this works with an app on our phone and we can actually on the fly (laughs) alter the temperature, airflow, everything. Uh, So we can try a bunch bunch of different profiles that actually will translate to our full size roaster. That is wild. So can you buy one of these for home and roast your own? There's a a number of different home roasters out there. Yeah, this one. This like this one, like I've seen many of them. I've never seen them this style. I've seen like Swiss Mar made one. I don't remember that one. The little drum roasters. Yeah, it's cumbersome and um but i've never seen something as tight and as clean as that yeah so this is an air roaster uh i mean slightly cost prohibitive for a consumer but if you were really into it you'd be those those swiss mar ones weren't cheap right you'd be brewing you know two cups or roasting two cups of coffee at a time kind of thing but uh hey there there are people who do it yeah Uh, from the back that's 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 pretty so in my reach we'll get samples like this and you know we can get a bunch of roasts out of this so that's a columbia with a number on it yeah and so we identify everything by the number and so what we'll do is we'll roast a bunch of different profiles of a different coffee and get what we think is taste best and that's kind of a uh done by committee our staff taste it um and we do this with all our different samples that we get in and then we come up with what we call our production profile 
uh, and that once it's on the big roaster is mapped in real time. So there's a graph running yeah, showing a graph. time Maybe over temperature. Yeah, and and so we can fine tune and tweak a roast. Uh, the interesting thing is that's called your roast profile, and you can roast a coffee to the exact same shade, but if that curve on the graph is different, it'll t it won't taste exactly the same. Okay, uh, and when I first learned about profile roasting years ago, when I kind of started my research on roasting coffee, I went to a, a class where they had the same coffee roasted to the same shade and they had five different profiles. And there was a room of probably about 40 to 50 people. And so we all tasted and you weren't sharing results. It was completely silent and everyone's writing their notes and 90% of the class chose the same profile. Okay. So it was sort of like illustrating that there are optimal profiles right. that will kind of please the most people. Okay. Um, you know, you're trying to control bitterness. You're trying to control acidity. There's good acidity and bad acidity. So you want like nice brightness, but you don't want sourness. Mm -hmm. And then sweetness is kind of a thing that you're trying to promote. That's the hardest thing to bring out. Okay. So we'll play with profiles to try and get the best tasting profile for that coffee. Yeah. Uh, we won't necessarily fixate on what shade it's going to be. Generally for us, our coffees, our single origins always sort of fall into a lighter medium shade. Uh, we don't go super light because we want full development. And often I find if people are trying to roast really light, the coffee ends up getting underdeveloped okay. and, and tasting kind of grassy or green. Mm -hmm. So, right. yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> you'll then roast off like a bit of that and keep some green and then roast as you need or you just like do the entire batch when it arrives? No, at that point, yeah, we roast in batches. So, okay. uh, you know, we'll, depending on how much we bought of that coffee, we'll roast it uh, in fairly small batches and, and so that it's always going out fresh. Okay. Freshness is, is, a, is key in coffee. So Yeah, so, so if, that said, you know, you're, you're going to buy your coffee and you could go to the grocery store or go to your, your close roaster. Um, like if, like, what, how do you do that? Like if you're in the grocery store, are you looking for a, like a, a roast date or do they have to have like a best before date or like how to, like, how do it's, you know what's fresh? So coffee should ultimately have a roast date on them. Uh, for our grocery coffees, we were running into a problem that people often, uh, thought that our coffee was past due because the roast date obviously has already happened. Right, of course. Uh, so ours is actually held in a code, which we're happy to share with people. Yeah. Um, so it's easy to figure out if you know the code and, and it's just in our lot number. Yeah. Um, and we work really hard to control inventory where we wholesale coffee. So if we're selling to Whole Foods, places like that, uh, we'll actually restrict the amount that they can order and want them to order more often so that we know that the coffee is going out fresh all the time. Yeah. Um, any of our single origin coffees will have the roast date right on them. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I'd, I, it's this thing where you can be super snobby about it and be like, coffee should only be roasted within a week. Yeah. Uh, you know, to me, I've just gone over this whole process of how much hard work goes into producing green coffee mm -hmm. at a farm level and often you know, they're not making enough money. Right. You know, they, they should be making more for what they are. Whole other conversation. Right. Um, but to say, oh, this coffee's over a week old and throw it out to right. me is like a disgrace. Sure. Uh, 
the thing I go drink by. Drink more <laughs> Drink more coffee. And the thing I go by is uh, this coffee is at its best for three weeks. Yeah. And really good for up to three months. Okay. Great. Um, I'm That's a great not, point. I'm not, you know, when you get into espresso, it's a, maybe a slightly smaller window. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't necessarily think the coffee tastes worse. The chain, the flavor will change and it'll evolve. Yeah. Uh, but it does, it's not necessarily like, oh, it's, it's two weeks old now. It's terrible. Yeah. It's two yeah. weeks old and maybe this flavor note mellowed and this flavor note came yeah. out a bit more. Yeah, yeah. You'll get to a point well, where it stales. there's an off-gassing process, yeah. right? Of where it needs to rest for a certain amount of time anyways. Yeah. Yeah, for filter ever. coffee, you want to rest it for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, so generally not something the consumer even has to think about because of the time yeah. it gets packaged and out the door mm -hmm. onto a shelf that's taking care of itself. For espresso, you want to age, you want coffee that's at least five days old. Okay. Uh, if it's too fresh, you won't get nice crema. It'll be really inconsistent. It'll be hard to dial in. Uh, and so that window of kind of seven to seven to 20 days is actually great for espresso and espressos that have natural coffee in them uh to me taste better with more age on them okay so uh in fact even as filter coffee a lot of naturals i really like with a bit more age on them as well okay so we'll get into the roasting profiles when, when you show me roasting but the, the single largest question that I personally have and that I actually kind of struggle with at a store level when I'm talking to people about, you know, especially buying a Jura or, mm -hmm. you know, anything that you're spending a couple of grand on. Yeah. When you're buying espresso bean, what is an espresso bean? Like you got a roast of one type and then an espresso type and they're sitting beside each other in right. the store. Um, yeah, the huge misconception that it's uh, something specific may like it is made to brew as espresso, but it's it, there's there's subtle differences uh, that in the roast for us, and that's only because we're like, hey, when we roast like this, we find it tastes better as espresso. You can brew espresso as filter coffee, and it's usually delicious. Okay. You can put any coffee in an espresso machine and make espresso shots, right. and some work great, some don't. Mostly, so, mostly really dark oily doesn't work well no. in fully automatic machines. Just FYI. <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah, uh, Starbucks, no go. Um, so the the idea is, again, I'm kind of like throw those rules out. Yeah. If you feel like buying an Ethiopian coffee and trying it as espresso and it's a single origin, go for it. Right. It, it could be delicious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and why do you say an Ethiopian, like can't you get an espresso roast in an Ethiopian? Yeah, okay. you could. Um, when something is labeled as espresso, that's a coffee that the roaster has, it usually denotes that it's a blend. It's not one origin of coffee. Okay. And it is something that that roaster has formulated to taste good as espresso. Okay. To taste good brewed in that brew They method. like it for making espresso. Yeah. Under, yeah. under that kind of pressure, creating yeah. that kind of crema. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, it, there's... You know, you'll go to high-end coffee shops that'll have three grinders and one is their espresso blend and then they're doing two single origin espressos so that you can really, you know, taste that specific coffee. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, that idea of just kind of throwing out the rules. When I first got into coffee, uh, I was told you cannot brew Kenyan coffee as espresso. Okay. It was just like an industry rule. Right. And now it'd be really common to see someone say, I'm going to do a single origin Kenyan for you to try. I've right. seen it done in barista competitions. Right. So, uh, you know, things evolve and, and rules change. Yeah, fair. Okay.
Okay, so uh, roasting, we've talked about the process uh, you know, of espresso, which I think is really important to talk about specifically, but we've got the green bean. You're going to then decide what the best process is and choose your bean to your roasting. Yeah. And then, so how does that happen? How do you, how do you roast coffee? So there's two, two main ways. This is an air roaster, so it's similar to uh, if you think your home popcorn popper, okay. where you're forcing hot air through yep. and it's being agitated by that hot air. Um, and then there's drum roasting. And uh, some people prefer one, some prefer the other. I prefer drum roasted coffee. Yep. So drum roasting is uh, similar to like a, a clothes dryer where you have okay. a, a rotating drum yep. and a heat source. Yep. Um, and so in our case, it's natural gas forced through these ceramic burners at a super high temperature. Yep. And they're, they're just sitting below the drum and the drum's spinning. Um, and it's about a 15, 12 to 15 minute process. Okay. So the green like coffee much, gets dropped in. How much in. are you doing in yours? How many pounds? Uh, do you we do 20, around 20 kilos at a time. Okay. Yeah. And then, so you, you lose about 15% of your, of your weight right. uh, in, in the roasting process. Yeah. Uh, and you actually gain volume. Um, which is a funny thing when we start talking about caffeine content. Okay. <laughs> um, so, because uh, it's a question I get asked so much, right. and, and people say, "Oh, light light coffee has more caffeine." I've heard light yeah, roasted coffee. Yeah, that's what they say on the street, right? So uh, I always tell people it depends on if you're measuring at home by volume or by weight. Okay. So if you think of something getting uh, bigger and lighter, mm -hmm. uh, the amount of caffeine in one coffee bean stays consistent throughout the process. Yeah. So if I'm scooping a dark coffee, I'm literally scooping less coffee yeah. beans because they've expanded. Sure. If I'm weighing, uh, and I'm and I'm again to dark coffee, um, I'm putting more in because they weigh less. Yeah. Right. So if you're going by volume, the the darker coffees will have more caffeine because yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have to or sorry less caffeine because you're yeah. just scooping less. Right. If you're going by weight, the darker coffee is gonna have more because you're putting more beans in to get that weight. Great. So yeah, and when we start making some coffee, I really do want to have that conversation around like at home, what's the easiest scooping or measuring? Like, like, is there that tipping point to somebody to tell them, yeah, you really should get a little scale. It's yeah. going to make a massive difference, that sort of thing. So I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Great. Um, that's awesome. So can we take a look at the roasting? Yes. Okay, there you go. Video one of two videos done. So that's all the information on the bean, how we get it to the point of making the coffee. I hope that was educational for you. I hope it helps you decide on what bean you're kind of focusing on. The next video, we're going to go into cook culture in Victoria and make different types of coffee and explain the process of, of how to get the right type of grind and weight and water and you know what we should be using for each machine to get the maximum coffee flavor. So thanks so much. Any questions, please throw it below and we'll see you in video two.